Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to Off the Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore, it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down and catch up with Danny McNamara of Embrace. Uh, Embrace are back with a new record and tour. And it's the first time, I think we touch upon it, it's the first time I've seen Danny in in probably maybe 10 years. Um, I've not seen him since um, I went and met up with him in Manchester when he was a venue owner many years ago. And uh, and it was lovely uh, to, to have a catch up with him. And, and I don't say this very often, but um, I think, this is one of my favourite episodes. Um, Danny is um, so open and honest uh, and, and, and chats about uh, incredible records, obviously, um, but, but but talks about mental health and, and, and talks about so much stuff with, with such sincerity and honesty that it, it, it felt, I felt privileged to, to kind of be part of that conversation. Uh, and I think you're going to really enjoy uh, listening to um, a really nice guy, um, have a, a really engaging chat here. Um, before we get on with that chat, uh, some thank yous. Um, big thanks to, to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network, which um, I'm very proud to be part of. Uh, thanks to 76 for producing this podcast. Uh, and biggest thanks always go to you lot um, for supporting, listening, sharing, retweeting, messaging, and, and just being nice. So so thanks, people, uh, for listening. It, um, it really is appreciated. If this happens to be the first episode that you've listened to of this podcast, then I should point out that you're very late to the party, but it's all right. It's a big party. You're very welcome. Come in. I'll introduce you. There's lots of people that have been uh, on the podcast that I reckon you might enjoy. If you like your your indie stuff, you can hear me talking to uh, Martin Rossiter of Gene. You can hear me talking to Suede. Uh, You can hear me talking to, blimey, who else? Who else? Rock and rollers like the Foo Fighters and Tommy Lee from Motley Crue. Uh, you can hear me talking to Idols, Sleaford Mods. Um, you can hear me chatting to metal bands like Deftones. Um, God, who else have I had on? There's over 400 episodes, so I don't know why every week when I list the, the, the people that I've had on, I generally reference the same ones, the same sort of five guests, but uh, there's hundreds, hundreds and hundreds. Uh, so go and go and explore it. And it's not just musicians. I speak to actors like Maxine Peake and Joe Hartley and Thomas Turgoose, Michael Smiley. Um, and I speak to DJs and producers like Fatboy Slim, William Orbit, Paul Oakenfold, <sighs> Butch Vig. 
what a, what a producer he is. Um, comedians, James Acast, Red Gamble, like loads, loads and loads of guests. So go and have a good old rummage in the archives when you finish today's chat with Danny. If you'd like to get even more content and support the podcast, the way you can do that um, is simply by nudging your mate and saying, go and listen to this lispy bloke from Essex that gets overexcited talking to people about records. Or if uh, if you're feeling flush and you can spare 80p a month, then that, that converts to about a dollar. And it's a dollar a month to become a, a Patreon uh, of this podcast. And for that, you get to watch all the episodes. I put all the videos of these chats up over on Patreon so you can watch the chats. Um, and there's no ads on them um, videos, of course. Uh, I'll put up radio shows over there where I play records and chat to it. Why am I explaining what a radio show is? It's it's a radio show. Uh, I put up lots of playlists, lots of Spotify playlists and stuff. So there's loads of other stuff you get, um, you, you, you're privy to if you become a Patreon. But essentially, that dollar a month... Um, which is what, 20p a week, um, that goes into the pot to help put this podcast together and ensure that I can still put two episodes out a week for free over on your usual listening places. So you can find out about the Patreon on Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash off the beat and track. Uh, But you can find out about that and the socials and everything else at your one-stop shop, which is www.offthebeatand.com. You know this bit, beat and not beaten, beatandtrackpodcast.com. That's off the beatandtrackpodcast.com. Right, should we get on with it? Are you in for a treat, people? Please enjoy Off the Beat and Track Podcast with the delightful Danny McNamara. Sorry, ladies and gents, I've just got to jump in quickly and tell you that this podcast is proud to be in partnership with Hotel Chocolat. That's right, Hotel Chocolat, those people that make all the delicious chocolatey stuff, right? They have been my partner now for close to two years, and I can't thank them enough. Um, and the one way that I can kind of help them is by telling all you lot about what they're up to. You know all about the chocolate stuff because you, you go and get your chocolates from there. But some of you like a little tipple of booze, right? So if you do, you need to check out their velvetized cream range. So what they've done is they've got loads of all your favorite spirits, and then they've added their lovely chocolatey magic-y stuff to it so you can get like uh, my favorite's the mint chocolate one go check out their mint chocolate velvetized cream because it is delicious the salty caramel one will blow your socks off as well there's loads you need to go and check out uh, the alcohol range that um, hotel chocolat do and i'm proud to tell you that this podcast is in partnership with hotel chocolat go check them out but right now get back to the podcast It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Okay, we are recording. Danny McNamara, how are you, mate? <laughs> I'm very good. How are you? Good, good, good. I'm all right, mate. It's always weird to do that kind of fake hello when we've already been nattering for five minutes. It <laughs> feels, feels a bit weird, doesn't it? Yeah, that was the laugh. <laughs> um, well, I'm, I'm, it was really nice that you, like, we haven't spoke for a while and... Um, yeah, it must be like uh, eight years or something, maybe longer. Well, you had the club like, yeah, yeah, up in was, Manchester, so that was a long time ago. Yeah, 2010-ish. Wow. Well, somewhere around there, was it? Time moves quickly, mate. You know what? I can't remember. It all blurs into one. I think we're both getting old, mate. <laughs> 
Uh, both of our beards are looking a little bit greyer than when we last met, I think, mate. <laughs> okay. Um, well, look, before um, we get into y- your song picks, Danny, I want to ask you, please, mate, um, how you found the 18 months of lockdown. I, I want to know how you found it um, personally, and I want to know how you found it creatively, please. Yeah, yeah okay. Um it's a weird one, that, because I, me and my wife had a baby just before lockdown. Um, so she was only a few months old. Um, so we were sort of really snowed under with that. And I would have probably have been stuck at home anyway. Yeah. You know, so that sort of, in a way, that kind of, it didn't, it didn't, um, uh, take over the pandemic, you know, I was still, still worried about it and, and whatnot. Um, but, and also maybe as well, it made me doubly sort of protective because I got a new baby. So I was like, make sure we've got enough supplies in, you know, just like, like do everything possible to protect us. Cause yeah. you know, initially my immediate fear was because, because nobody knew right at the very beginning was that, was that my baby was going to get it, you know? Yeah. Um, or, or that Lauren might get it because, you know, um, just after pregnancy, you know, you, you can be vulnerable and stuff. So, I, so I was sort of, um, more mindful of that. Um, but then as it went on, and sort of saw people really suffering as a result of not being able to be sociable. That was that was a bit of a wake up call for me because I wasn't suffering like that because um, I'm a quite an introvert, really. Um, which you know you might find hard to believe being a singer in a band, being a guy who used to own a venue, you know, going out as often as I used to, but actually. You know, it's something I've come to learn about myself is that I am actually quite introverted and um, I find other people, uh, you know, people I don't know really well who I can't relax around, really hard work a lot of the time. And and so, and and I've I've heard this quite a lot from uh, quite a lot of other people who are writers or who are creative is that almost the imposed isolation was quite a nice benefit yeah. because you're able to just do what you want instead of having to do all the social stuff that you sometimes feel obligated to do. So that was like a little upside. Um, but then the hard work of it was we weren't able to get any childcare and so, uh, you know, we were basically 24-7 looking after a baby and, and, and all that. And then I suppose the biggest worry for me was my mum and dad, particularly my dad, who has got all sorts of lung uh, stuff. He he worked in a factory in Mythenroyd that had asbestos, and so he's got he's got issues with his lungs as a result of that. So it was like if he gets it, he might be one of those guys who don't make it. He's in his mid seventies and stuff, yeah. and, and a bit overweight. And so a lot of my lockdown was making sure they never left the house. So I was like taking supplies around or getting Tesco to go around and pestering them every day, making sure that they were taking it seriously. Um, 
And I, I think, you know, I probably went too far in scaring them because they're still a little bit reticent to leave the house yeah. now, you know. Um, but I think that that was the right thing to do back then because, um, you know, my, 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 if my dad had got that first train of it, he, he would have probably been one of the people who went into hospital, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was it was pretty frightening. It was really weird as well. Um how much I tuned into the news every day and I still do that now and it's really boring like normally I'm not the sort of person that would do that but I was like really obsessively like watching it watching the numbers and it was like it's almost like one of those disaster movies where they watch to see where the aliens are going so they know you know how to organize their lives it was a little bit it was a little bit like that sort of tuning it, it was compelling was though wasn't it in a really kind yeah. of grim way it was yeah. because yeah. i think for so many of us it felt like i don't know if it was was the case for you Dan but like it felt that this was like the first time that I'd ever experienced. I'm I'm nearly fifty, and it was like the first time in my life I'd ever experienced anything where the world hadn't put it right in a couple of weeks. And it was yeah. like, oh, we'll get over this in two weeks. Everything will be back to normal. Yeah. And it was like, oh god. And that that not knowing and that just the the, the how it was just gravitating on the news. It was just like you were just being bombarded with just horror and and you know the yeah. extent of where this was going. It was like. I don't know, like you, I just sat there transfixed by the news, just going, oh, my yeah. God, what's happening? Yeah. what's happening? Like, yeah. it was, it was, and I'm not sure if that's a healthy thing. No, no, you can, you can sort of get, uh, what's, what I do to try and balance that out is whenever, I, whenever I'm looking into something, and, and, and Ukraine has been a similar thing, is I try and get very different use sources. So, like, you know, we all know The Guardian's really lefty and, you know, that's where I lean. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very left. Um, but then I also like to find out what Fox News thinks and, you know, um, what right-wing commentators are saying, how they're dealing with it and where they're coming from. And, and I, don't just, um, I don't just sort of hear it and go, oh, my God, that's such reactionary bullshit, which is really tempting to do. Yeah, of course. I go, where's That's where's what that- it's there for. To get yeah. that response, yeah, yeah. What's what's where? What's the note beneath the note? If you like, you know, what, why? Why is what's the motivation there for that? You know, why is why is that happening? And and what I saw was just a lot of people really scared, trying to find um, a reasonable sort of way of steadying the ship. So it's like we we will survive because we do this, you know. It's usually, you know, I don't want to be sexist, but it is usually a, a sort of a middle-aged man who, you know, considers himself the alpha who goes, don't worry, everything's going to be all right, you know. It's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's that, in it? Uh, and so many people were on Facebook basically giving it that. And then obviously then you get all your conspiracy theorists who think all kinds of crazy stuff. And, and you know, it, it, it always says more about the person who's a conspiracy theorist than it does about the actual conspiracy theory. Always. Although, although weirdly, if you look through history, a lot of the conspiracy theorists, you know, you look back and you think, well, actually, like, a lot of those conspiracies have kind of been true, you know. <laughs> so it's like 
can't always completely write them off, but mm. quite a lot of these ones, you know, with the 5G and the anti-vaccine and stuff was just, it, I just thought it got really ridiculous, almost like flat earth type stuff. I think it was just uh, a lot of fear and a lot of yeah, not yeah. knowing answers. So people just went searching for whatever they could find, I think. Yeah, so so what we so what we got every day, particularly on social media, was everyone's fear response, and 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 a person's fear response is really telling of what that person truly is. It's the, it's the it's like when you make love to somebody, have sex with someone, you, that you can't bullshit there. If someone looks you in the eyes. You, it's 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 the one time you can't sort of put up a front, and fear is the same. It's yeah. the one. time you really see what makes one who they are because yeah. when the chips are down people really reveal themselves you know yeah. uh, and and i think probably you know hopefully people have revealed themselves to themselves and so yeah. maybe maybe a, a positive to come out of this is people understand themselves better yeah absolutely absolutely gonna start your playlist danny and uh, <laughs> and for track one mate I want you to tell me, please, the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro. Oh, man. Uh, you could have gone so many different ways with this. My initial uh, reaction was Duran Duran Rio, would you believe it or not? Incredible. <laughs> uh, I think it was my eighth birthday or my ninth birthday. Um, but I was really young and it was my birthday party. And I just, because I couldn't figure out how they'd made that noise. It doesn't sound like a keyboard. It doesn't sound like drums. It doesn't sound like guitar. Definitely not vocals or bass. So I was like, how, you know, back then in the 80s, like sort of, yeah, sort of, yeah, early 80s, isn't it? Uh, how did they make that noise? And so just the beginning of that, and I play like the first minute, and then as soon as Simon Le Bon starts singing, I go, zip! with the vinyl and stick it on again until pretty much everybody in the party got fed up and left. <laughs> so it could have been that. And, and then also like so many other songs that got fantastic intros, but the one that just, that, that I picked is Elvis Costello's I Want You. And just because he sort of starts with this little sort of acapella melody on his own. And like he's, oh, I love you, mother, I can say blah, 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 blah. And then he just goes, everything else is a waste of breath. <laughs> and then it starts. <laughs> and even just describing it now, the hairs on the back of my neck are going. It's like, that is the song. Uh, and it's almost is, it, I know it's the song by him, like, you know, and I'm, I'm sure I'm sure he probably feels that way as well, you know, deep down. But it's almost the song by anyone yeah. for me. It's like um, just about unrequited love or or, or uh, a love ending before you are ready to see it end and where that sends you, you know, into a really dark, obsessive, self-destructive, self-lacerating place. Um, you know, most people have been there in their own way to some degree. But that song just really gets down there with you and says, I, I, I know exactly how you feel. Um, like no other song ever. Um, and it's delivered in such a cold... Claustrophobic. Uh, yeah. Un, un, um, unemotive way. It's like it's delivered matter-of-fact. Mm. 
is on my speak here. Um, and yeah, it's it's just it's just an extraordinary song. I, I used to have a tape, and it just had that song on it. What on um, repeat? Yeah, <laughs> um, it's a long song as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's about six minutes. Yeah, um, and uh, well, I, I, I stuck it I stuck it on one side, um, and then I got fed up of of, of, of recording it because I was doing it old school where yeah. you know like <laughs> play record play right record it stop right okay. You know, so I so I still had to rewind it, but I just I just listened to it like relentlessly, and I sort of left the B side for if I ever found another song that did the same thing, and yeah. nothing ever came close. How did you How did you discover that song? Um, how did I discover the song? Wow. <sighs> Do you know what? I'm not I'm not sure I can remember. I think way 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 back. It was our old bass player before Steve joined. I think he played it, mate. Um, but yeah, it, it's, I can't remember 100% how I discovered it. Because I am... Um, that, that song's a very special song to me as well, uh, Danny. And, and like I say, like growing up, being exposed to the attractions and all the kind of I Can't Stand Up for Falling Down, all the, and Oliver's Army, these amazing pop records... And then Michael Winterbottom made a film called "I Want You." Um, yeah, yeah, I've, 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 um, I haven't watched that film, but I do know about it. It's got Rachel Vice. That's right. Isn't it? Yeah. And there's a there's the sort of the the, the big sort of sort of love making scene in that film. It's, it's a very intense scene, as is most of Michael Winterbottom's work. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And that song soundtracks it. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, it sort of ascends that song, doesn't it, and gets more intense as it as it as yeah. it keeps sort of rolling. And I remember sort of like watching that and just thinking, "Holy shit, what is this record? This sounds like Elvis Costello." And then yeah. someone went to me, "Oh, it's on an album called Blood and Chocolate. You got to go and check it out." Yeah. Yeah. The rest yeah. of the album doesn't do loads for me. Like, I'm I'm not a, a massive Elvis Costello fan. I like a lot of the the hits. Yeah, I'm not a big a massive fan either. You know, I love what he's about, but that's. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, So, Danny, tell me when you're when you're writing with the band. um, I I presume you know back when Embrace first was releasing EPs and and and, and records, it was you know very much written uh, in in a more traditional style and and sense of uh, I guess the goal was to, to. initially get the deal and then to, to, to get on radio and to, and, and to get, I essentially imagine get on top of the pops and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, but now nah, I'm just looking at how my children get their music and, and it's on TikTok and it's on all these different things and, and speaking to, to new bands and they're like, yeah, we want to get on this Spotify playlist. And, you know, we just start with a chorus. We can't, we can't be you know, kind of any fat on these records. It's got to be bang, 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 bang. Uh, and obviously if somebody took, I want you into a record company building now, they get laughed straight out the back door and being, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. not gonna, that's not going to get you on the radio. Um, yeah. how much of like kind of trends in how, how people get their music and listen to music and Spotify playlists and things like that, how much of that filters into your creative process when you're writing now? Uh, not at all really. Um, it's the sort of art commerce debate. Um, and I, and I think I think in the beginning it doesn't really affect you either because you're young and you're all about how 
you know, you're going to, what you're going to say culturally, what you're going to, how are you going to be different from everyone else? What you've got to offer that's fresh and new. And it's about discovering that in yourself uh, when, you're, when you're young, when you start out. When, when you've been doing it a while, it's, it's really about not forgetting that. And um, the, one of the positive things about doing this for a while and getting older is you bullshit yourself less. In the beginning, you can kind of lie to yourself about stuff and fool yourself about stuff. And obviously, you don't want to do that. It's never good for you to do that. It never really gets you anywhere. But you sort of have that muscle because in the beginning, no one likes what you're doing because it's rubbish usually. Um, And so in your head, you still think you're Ian Brown or Bono or wherever it is. (laughs) But you can't sing to save your life. You can't write songs. You can't play. You look awful, you know. But in your head, you're fooling yourself that, oh, it's just a matter of time. I'm all these things. I'm just an uncut diamond, you know. Uh, But they're they're brilliant times, though, aren't they? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, because it's it's just sheer willpower, really. Kind of mind over matter, you know. In your head... You're, you know, you're, the song that you're singing is as good as I am the resurrection. But, you know, in reality, that's only because you stood there with a with a, a, a hairbrush singing I am the resurrection because <laughs> you've got the record on. You haven't, you haven't written anything yet. You're not as good as them yet just because you can kind of <laughs> sing along, you know? <laughs> and, then, and, and then so one of the lies you tell yourself there is, well, even though that three-chord thing where the guitars are out of tune and the lyrics are overly self-referential and morbid, uh, that's better than Boyzone, though. And Boyzone have had a number one. There you go. There's the logic. (laughs) (laughs) So you tell yourself all kinds of... You you, you fool yourself. You basically bullshit yourself in the beginning. Um, And then, you know, you write something that's really good and suddenly everyone believes your bullshit. So that's a bit of a journey because you're you're saying, oh, we're going to be this amazing band, and and then and then other people are saying, yeah, they're going to be an amazing band, and then before you know it, it's like those arrogant fuckers think they're an amazing band, like you know. Whereas when no one was listening, it was kind of charming and yeah. and and sort of you know youthful hubris. Uh, suddenly, when you're on the front cover of Enemy and Melody Maker, you're an arrogant Northern Cunt who's trying to be Liam Gallagher, you know. <laughs> yeah. So it's like you're never going to win, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so then, then I had a reaction to that because I thought, well, I'm, you know, the ironic thing about that is not only am I not like that, Liam Gallagher's not like that. I've met yeah. him loads of times. He's a really lovely guy, you know. Um, but he gets cocky when somebody's coming up to him, giving it, you know, what's so good about you? Because yeah. it's that natural working class, like self belief, that gets you through. You know, it's 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 almost like an evolutionary thing. That is a working class thing, unless you had that. You know, you, yeah. You, you just, if you didn't have those balls, if you didn't have that confidence, if you didn't have that front, you'd never be a front man. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm going to take you back. Uh, for track two, Danny, and ask you please to tell me the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. Yeah, so this is only one here. There's no competition, no Duran Duran songs here. <laughs> um, this is uh, Close to You by the Carpenters. Um, and my mum uh, used to sing this to me 
uh, every night before I went to bed. I'm sure a lot of mums did uh, in the 70s, early 70s when this came out. Um, my mum has a really beautiful voice, um, a little bit like Aaron Carpenter's. It's sort of really melancholy and quite low and soothing. Um, and obviously I heard my mum's version before I heard the uh, the actual version. And I thought the actual version sounded a bit slick and poppy and a bit lightweight. Like my mum's version just just really, you know, really, it's in my bones, you know. Um, and, and it's just, um, you know, I sing it to myself sometimes even now when I, when I need to self-soothe. You know, just just because uh, obviously, like, I was like one or two or three or four years old, and my mum was singing this song when I was scared. You know, as a kid, because I I um, as a kid I was quite a, a frightened kid. I had um, a really wild imagination, and um, whereas now as I've got older, I've learned to sort of be able to drive it a bit better. You know. Back then, I was like sort of a three-year-old with a, a Formula One car. You know, I was like terrifying, um, and uh, and so quite. A, the, one of the first things that I ever said as a baby was, you know, "Mummy, Daddy," and then and then the first sort of phrase I said was, "It's dark, you know." Jesus Christ! <laughs> it's dark, you know. It's dark, you know. And my mum would switch the light off, and uh, just go, "It's dark, you know." Jesus. Like didn't like the dark, no. <laughs> and I can I can even remember now. Like I used to look at the curtains in the, in the bedroom, these really big heavy curtains that we had, and the light would come through the curtains, and I would just see all these faces in the fabric, and and every now and again I'd find one that was really scary, and I just wouldn't dare get out of bed for fear that that thing behind the curtains was going to yeah. come. In. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Get one. 
and 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 and, uh, and my mom inevitably would come in and she'd just sing me this song and I'd fall asleep and everything would be better. It's a it's just a beautiful record though, isn't it? Yeah. Really sad story about her. Um, <sighs> you know. Um but yeah, incredible. And a great drummer as well. Yeah. I mean seen some of the videos. Karen right. Carpenter, what a drummer. And <laughs> Is there is there a sadder voice? I just think her voice it just it just cries, doesn't it? It's it's so sad. It's just oh, and and, and unfortunately, when I sing it, I get halfway through and just turn into partridge and end up just doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's impossible. And I say, you Oh dear! <laughs> so, so where was growing up, Danny? Um, well, I was I was born in Halifax in West Yorkshire um, at the General, and um, we lived in uh, Mydenroyd, um, which is a few miles outside Halifax. Um, and then after that, we moved to Bailiff Bridge, which is in Brighouse. Um, so basically, yeah, sort of West Yorkshire. Um, happy memories growing up there hmm? happy oh, memories yeah, man. yeah. I, I had a really good childhood really idyllic um, my mum is endlessly patient like Mother Teresa mum um, and dad were working class but um, they've been together all my life they're still together now um, and I had loads of mates um, so yeah, yeah I, I, I had a pretty, pretty idyllic childhood the, the sort of the tendency to have this overactive imagination that led to a lot of fear aside from externally, from, you know, family and friends and stuff. Yeah, I had a, I had a really good childhood. Was it a musical? I mean, you, you mentioned that your mum would sing to you. Like, was it a musical home? Um, a little bit, yeah. Like, my, my, dad, my dad was really into Tamla Motown. Um, my mum had been to all the big gigs, like she went to see the Beatles, the Stones, uh, the Beach Boys, you know, just like everyone except for Elvis, because yeah. Elvis only came over here once, but yeah. she pretty much saw everyone else, the names that she rattles off when she rattles them off. Um, even like some of the Motown greats, like Dinah Ross and, and you know, uh, Otis Redding, you know, lo- loads, loads of people. Um, they used to go to a, a place called the Twisted Wheel, um and and danced the night away my dad was uh a bit of a face about town he was in a big gang um and my mum fancied him for ages and then yeah uh they met when they were pretty young and had me and yeah that was that well i'm gonna stay in the formative years for the next track danny and ask you please to tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school please mate yeah um so this could have been a lot of songs because uh, I, I got into music pretty early, um, but you're going to hear about some of them later, so I'm going to pick this one. Uh, Adam and the Ants, Stand and Deliver. I do. So I, had, I, I, I still have a real soft spot for him. Um, my wife uh, took me to see him on the day I proposed to her. Uh, so that was about 10 years ago. He was doing... Um, uh, Kings of the Wild Frontier, the full album back yeah. to back. Um, and he's still got it, man. Yeah. He's still got it. His voice is banging. 
and uh, and I was as excited as I was when I was a kid. You know, um, I absolutely loved it. I went to see him. My grandma um, made us a braided jacket <laughs> out of a body warmer. <laughs> it was, I think, it was a red body warmer and some gold sort of curtain braiding. Nice. It looked all right, you know, and. Uh, you know, I, tie, I, I, I drew the ant music ant thing on a bandana, which I tied around my waist, and I had a little studded belt. And then I put the white line across my nice. face and twisted the front of my hair so that it had those, like, little braids in it and uh, the little cross there, remember, and, like, a little thing under there. You know, I did, I did the whole thing. Uh, I went to see him uh, at Leeds Queen's Hall, uh, which isn't there anymore, I don't think, unless they've reopened it, is it? an old, old venue. Uh, and Lizzie were on the day before. Um, and that was the first ever gig I went to. And there was like a sort of a children's mosh pit at the front where, because there was like a load of old rockers and, sorry, a load of old punks there. And there was all these kids who were like 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. The venue had decided it'd be a good idea to separate all those kids out, put them all at the front so they can like see the, see the Adam and the Ants and, and all these punks can then be all early at the back and we won't be mixing these people up. But I was too scared to go down the front on my own, so I just stayed on my dad's shoulders for the entire <laughs> gig. And my brother, who's, who's two years younger than me, stayed on my mum's shoulders for the entire gig. Uh, but I absolutely loved it. And I actually, for this, sort of took a little bit of a trip down memory lane a couple of days ago and watched, there's a video online of him doing that uh, Prince Charming review, that gig. Oh really? And it's really good. <laughs> you know, he's um, he's still got it, and uh, he he was completely unique. Um, and there's never there's no, you know you can see like Mark Bolan in there. You can see you know you can see all sorts of influences in there. But his blend is so completely unique, and and I don't think anything's really copied him since really. It's I, I mean Adamant for me like was just. It was like a superhero. I remember, like, sort of seeing him on the telly and just going, "Oh my god!" Like, it's like it's all the things that like young lads are into. It's like a pirate, and like, and he's he's got these really cool <laughs> songs, and like, and a highway man, like, yeah. It was like a, the dandy high. I mean, this was the time when I think Richard O'Sullivan was doing Dick Turpin and stuff like that on ITV, and it was like. Here's the dandy highwayman just bossing it with these amazing songs. We've got Dinah Doors just like rocking it as well. I was like, <laughs> it was like when Adam and the Ants were on top of the pops, it was like, because he was just the ultimate pop star, wasn't he? It was like, yeah. because yeah. so many people uh, have, have mentioned like that, of, of that era of music, people kind of flippantly throw Duran Duran about. But when it comes to the bands yeah. that cut through, people always go adamant madness yeah and it was like they were the two that kind of really just hammered it home and oh adamant was i mean and and i've seen him recently as well and he's just wonderful mate still looks incredible (laughs) yeah yeah just just uh, and i had all their early records because our babysitter who was about 14 um, she went off him because, you know, she was trying to be too cool for school and 
as soon as he had a hit record, she was like, oh, you know. So I had like car trouble and whipping my valise and Dirt Wears White Socks and wow. all the other singles and the, and the early album, like the original print of it and all that. And I loved them as well, you know. Yeah. I was only like nine or ten, but I just, I just loved it all. Yeah. And in fact, if anything, it wasn't until the Prince Charming came out that I sort of went off from a bit. Well, that was um, was that the first Adam Ant single? Uh, n- no. Uh, so, so the, the first three albums are uh, Dirk Wears White Socks, Kings of the Wild Frontier, and the third one's Prince Charming. Yeah. And um, Prince Charming was sort of. It kind of went a bit blander for me. Mm. It wasn't, you know. I mean, I was still into it. You know, I still did. I did the two lines and I learned the dance. I even, like, <laughs> I won a disco dancing championship. <laughs> <laughs> um, just because it was hard giving it the Adam and the Ants all the way through the entire night. And I think somebody must have taken pity on me. And what you won was, like, a packet of crisps and a bottle of pop. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, tell me a, li- a little bit about school. How was it? Did you enjoy the experience of school? Um, school was a real roller coaster for me. Like, uh, I loved it at uh, infant school and junior school. Um, girls were really interested when I was really young. So from being about eight, nine, ten, I was like, you know, all the girls were after me. I was basically that that kid in school that all the girls fancy. Um, but then when I went to grammar school. It, it was completely the opposite. It was like Lord of the Flies. It was awful. I really, it was an old boys school and I just, you know, the testosterone. I was sat next door because my name is Matt Namara and his name was Parkinson. I was sat next to the hardest guy in the year, the sort of the class bully. Oh, God. So, you know, I got shit from him all day, every day. Um, and then one day I stood up to him. My dad, my dad basically uh, woke me up when he got home from the pub. And I, I just remember opening my eyes and I, as I was being carried downstairs by this man who smelled of alcohol, <laughs> I was like, what the, what's going on here? You know, like he didn't wake me up and then carry me down. He just slung me over his shoulder and sat me down. I went, right, what's going on? And, and, and I said, what do you mean? He said, well, your mum said, you know, you went to bed crying and blah, blah, blah. And so I told him about what happened about this kid bullying me. And this kid, the other thing is as well, when you're boys, and girls as well, but more so, I think, with boys at that age, like, you can have a growth spurt, and you can be, like, three stone heavier and a foot taller, and, yeah. and that's what he was. You know, it really wasn't a fair fight. You know what I mean? It was, it was like always one of them kids that had stubble at secondary school in yeah, like the first year, do you know what I mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I was just like a little scrawny 11-year-old, you know? Um, so it really wasn't any kind of fair fight. And my dad basically said to me, he said, um, tomorrow, if this guy picks a fight with you, I want you to bloody hit him. I don't care. Just hit him. And you hit him so bloody hard he doesn't get back up. So help me God, you better do. Because if you come home and you haven't hit him, I'm going to hit you. Basically, not those words, but basically that message. Yeah. He was like, he was he was talking about sort of the bears and the snakes and stuff. And this is like, it was basically like, he was like daddy bear and I'm baby bear and he's trying to show me how to deal with the snakes. It was as instinctive as that. Yeah. And then the next day he took me to school and he never used to take me to school. I always used to either go on my own on the bus or my mum would take me. But he took me to school and he reminded me. 
And I got out of there. I went in, and uh, this 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 kid, uh, I was I had these biscuits, and he nicked one of them off me, and it broke. And I said, "Why did you fucking do that?" And he said, "What are you going to do about it?" And I just fucking swung at him, and then he squared up to me, and he was crying because I'd hit him, and I hit him again, and he was shocked, I think, because no one had ever dared hit him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. And and then it was all like you know everyone was gathered around and couldn't believe that I was that I'd done this, and he totally backed the fuck down. Yeah, you know normally it would be like right five score was the normal thing, four, five past four after school behind the five behind behind the the, the fives court, um, which is like a handball like a squash court thing, uh, made of concrete. What a lovely school it was. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I had its own sort of natural amphitheatre where everyone <laughs> gather around and go, fight, fight, fight. <laughs> Fucking horrendous. Um, but it didn't come to that because he backed down. Yeah. And he, he didn't bother me after that. Yeah. And I went home and my dad said, is it sorted now? And I said, yeah. <laughs> and after that, we actually kind of became mates because I think he respected me. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, that, that's... Uh, that's Adam and the Ants stand and deliver. We've got a lot from that, haven't we? <laughs> You're like a shrink. <laughs> <laughs> but would you say, because, you know, I've, 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 seen, I've seen you on stage many times, Danny, and, and I know you mentioned that you, you're quite introverted. Um, that never comes across when, when, when I've seen you perform on stage. But that moment after, you know, having that, that experience and, and standing up to somebody and, and 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 for the rest of sort of school and 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 and, and sort of times that followed that, how would you say you was with, with, with confidence? Would you say you were you a confident young lad? It's a tricky one. It's confidence because you don't know what is deep down confidence and what's at front, you know, what is bravado. And there's a big difference. And almost like bravado is a lack of confidence. Um, I find that as I get older, I'm more confident in myself and more sure of myself and more all right with myself. Um, I think, you know, when I was younger, there was a certain amount of, front and bravado to cover up in an in, in insecurity um you know and i suppose the music and our life performances were more revealing of who i really was than than me in person which was often quite closed down shut off uh unavailable if you like um which could be taken as aloof but i really didn't think i was better than everyone else i just um just didn't just didn't put myself out there for one reason or another. And, and, and in a way I sort of regret that to come back to that pandemic thing. When, when I saw how much everyone else was missing their social lives, it made me sort of miss that. I don't really have one, you know? Um, I mean, I've got mates, I've got a few really, really, really close friends. Uh, and I'm personable enough, you know, people want to talk to me cause I'm that guy from embrace. So, you know, I don't, I don't find myself, you know, crying into my drink of parties you know i can't have a good time yeah. but generally i don't it feels like i'm it still feels like i'm a little bit separate and our new album how to be a person like other people 
has really been about my journey that uh, that my wife has really helped me on and also therapies helped me on to sort of rejoin the human race in that way. So do you find... <sighs> Like if if you was to go like when you was younger and the and the you know the, the you the you know the the band had put the first record out and I'm sure there was parties and things like that all being sort of thrown your way like and you'd find yourself in that that sort of environment like when you say you sort of felt separate from it like can you sort of explain a little bit about that? Um, Could you ever get lost in the moment? Um. Yeah, if you get drunk enough, yeah. yeah, I think I think you get drunk and I release. I think like everyone, it releases your inhibitions and sure. you sort of you relax. Um, so yeah, drink really helps, and, and I think that's that's it for everybody, really. Isn't yeah. it? You know, um, and uh, you, it's it's that it's that thing. Um, when I was younger, going to youth club, there was this one day when we used to go there every Friday religiously. Uh, one day it wasn't on and no one had said anything to us. And it was this barn dancing thing for like Silver Lining Club. And so there's all these like kids who are like 10, 11, 12 years old. And then a load of 60 year old women all barn dancing. And so um, we're, sat, we're sat there around the edge, all like sulking, like, mm, I want to play, like, you know, Adam and the Ants or whatever, you know, uh, or Madness or, you know, whoever it was back then, Blondie. Um, and uh, and they're playing this awful stuff, and I was just really sulking. I, I wouldn't join in, but one by one, all my mates sort of gradually, because there was no blokes there, because you know, silver lining. Unfortunately, it's mainly women because the blokes have all passed away. You know, yeah. Uh, and so there were all these women wanting young gentlemen, i.e., us twelve-year-old boys, to come and escort them so they could band dance together. You know, so all my mates one by one. And then it got to about eight o'clock and it was pretty much everybody except for me. And I was just holding out. I'm like sulking. I'm not dancing to this rubbish. And then I just thought, you know what? Fuck it. And I just went for it. And I had the best night of my life. (laughs) It was wonderful. I absolutely loved it. All I had to do was take that first step. Yeah. Um, uh, and, 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 you know, and I regretted that I hadn't enjoyed three hours of it. I'd only enjoyed like half an hour of it because yeah. it was over before it begun. And so it's kind of a little bit of me of like, if I'm going out, I'm going to fake it a little bit for the, yeah. at the beginning. And then, you know, if I'm with people I like, we'll get going. And, and it usually works out. I usually, you know, it usually works out all right. What did you want to be when you was at school? Uh, I wanted to be a rock star. <laughs> it was uh, it was Elvis. Um, seeing Elvis when I was about six, because um, he died, uh, which brings us neatly on to our next song. Oh, let's do uh, that. Let's do that then. Yeah, yeah. First song you got from a record shop. Uh, yeah, El- Elvis Love Songs album. Um, my mum and dad got us for Christmas. I got that, and uh, my brother got Abba Grist. It's... Um, and uh, on vinyl, and um, he died when I was six, and so he was on TV all the time. And I just thought it was so cool. I just thought I want to be him, yeah. you know. And um, the thing I liked about him was he broke a string. He played his guitar with so much passion that he broke a string, and I thought that is the height of emotion in music. Yeah. If you play, if you play your instrument so hard 
that you break a string, you must mean it more than anyone else. Yeah. And that's just as a six-year-old, that's just what I thought. And I just thought it was so cool. And my grandma got me a fake leather jacket, a PVC leather jacket, which, of course, I insisted to everybody was real. Um, and, yeah, I, I thought it was a combination of Elvis and the Fonz, and I wanted to be... I mean, the two that. they are both the two coolest people who ever bought the planet, right? <laughs> yeah, completely. I, I mean, I used to do impressions of Elvis on the street for, like, whatever kids had in their pocket. So that would be, like, a fruit polo or 2P or a stamp or, you know, whatever it was, you know, a bit of string. Um, and if you had something that I wanted, you could gather around and they, they all gather around and I'd do my Elvis impression. And it wasn't even singing. It was just a sort of Tom Hanks element, you know, the hip shake yeah. element. And I did, and I did that. And, and like teachers used to get me to do it in front of the class. Like I had this really horrible teacher who's probably dead now. So, you know, it's fine. <laughs> um, who used to pick on me every day and she'd get me to stand at the front of the class and uh, and one day she saw me doing this Elvis thing and she thought that she'd humiliate me by getting me in front of the entire class. Right, come on, do that now. Right, do that for everyone. And I just did. <laughs> and everyone loved it. <laughs> and she was like totally like, balls, that didn't work. <laughs> Trying to humiliate me and I just, you know, I just had the front to just really go for it. And everyone loved it, you know. I, just, I mean, it wasn't very good. Yeah. It was just like a kid just going for it like no one's watching, you yeah. know. Well, you, you just mentioned Hanks and Elvis. Have you have you seen the film yet? I haven't yet. I want to see it at the pictures, oh. but, you know, we've got a two-month-old and a three-year-old, and so it's all kind of hands-on deck here at the moment. So, Oh, if um, you can escape, if you can escape to the cinema, Danny, it's a cinematic experience. I'm a, yeah. I'm a big fan of the King, and it, he's that lad that plays him. Oh, yeah, I've, I've, I've read a lot about it, and... Uh, Heard like all the reviews, like Mark Hermod says this is film of the year, and I've seen all the trailers and I've read all about it. I can't wait to see it. Um, yeah, the performances. Probably my film of the year, mate. The performances of like, obviously the, the '68 comeback. If I can dream, like you have to blink to go. Is is that it or is it not? And and the same with the the, the epic suspicious minds that he ju- uh, the, the big Vegas performance like that he you know just where he breaks it down brings it back breaks it down it's what it's literally move every single movement is just it makes you question what you're watching it's like is this yeah. is this the original footage or not it's so yeah, good yeah. it's so good yeah. and that dude sings it man and like and absolutely owns it. Like, oh, you're you're in for a big treat, mate, when you get to see uh, that. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm what's really your, looking forward to it. What's your favourite Elvis track? <sighs> that's, uh, that's that's like, you know, it's impossible to I'll give say. you three. Go on, you can have three. Um, I love Love Me Tender. Oh, mate. That sort of a little bit has um, that um, Karen Carpenter... Um, you know, close to you, yeah. that sort of lullaby. I don't think my mum ever sang it me, but it would definitely be the sort of things she would sing, yeah. and it gives me that same feeling. Just um, wonderful. Just, you can't not say suspicious minds. We've we've done that live for fun, and it is so much fun. The melody med, medley version, yeah. uh, you know, where it goes into all the different aspects of it, it's just like uh, amazing. And then. 
I think, you know, something like Hound Dog or something where it's just yeah. really, you know, raw and really early, you know, that sort of, you know, more backbeaty sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, where he's just giving it. Yeah. They they put a record out mid-90s called Elvis 56 and they put an accompanying film out and uh, and it was just photographs of his, like one of his first tours, if not his first tour. And you look at them photographs and you just think, I don't think a more handsome man or cooler yeah, I've man. Yeah, I've got that book. Uh, photographer bought it. Mate. It's a really great book. It's just different level cool, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the original, isn't it, really? Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's say uh, the original white man doing it. Yeah, because yeah. Because yeah. there was fantastic black artists doing it way before and way better in some ways. But, of course. Yeah. And there's a lot of that reference in the film as well. Yeah, good. Uh, it should be. He owes a massive debt. <laughs> um. Well, I just want to talk about record um, record shops for a little bit uh, uh, as well, Danny. And, yeah, yeah. And you know, when when the band came, you know, to 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 the attention of of, of the world. It... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music field trip to America's jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Was there was lots of EPs and and you know and I would go crate digging in in you know independent record shops to find them and not just like HMV and Virgin and just tell me a little bit about your relationship with with the record shops growing up. Uh, we had uh, one in Brighouse called Martins, which was sort of a stationer corner shop, record shop, all in one. Stationery and records. Yes. Yeah, what more do you want from life? <laughs> it was sort of like WH Smith's, I guess, in a way, but a lot smaller, like, you know, not, not a big shop at all, just like a normal shop size shop. Um and yeah, you, yeah, and and you just and but the thing is, like, quite often, you wouldn't get the original front cover. You just get like a white sleeve and like just a record. It was like cheaper versions. Well, they used to do that, didn't they? In lots of like yeah. news agents, there'd be the ex jukebox singles, wouldn't they? Yeah, and my mate, my mate would always have you know like uh, Prince Charming with Adam on, on the front doing his makeup and stuff, and I just have this white cover for like. <laughs> yeah. It's like what? What? Eh? That's not fair. <laughs> 
I've totally lost out here. But yeah, I, I, yeah, and I, um, and and that was it then, really, until I sort of got a bit older and was able to go a bit further afield. So I was able to go to Bradford and Halifax and then Leeds, you know. But when I was a kid, like Brighouse was just like sort of a thirteen p bus ride, and yeah. not far enough away from my mum and dad to worry about me, you know. Yeah. So. I touched on confidence earlier, and I, I just want to ask uh, something else, uh, Danny. And 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 you've chose, you know, a, a life as a as a musician, uh, which is famously very tough and very competitive. Um, <laughs> yeah. Tell me a little bit about your relationship with drive oh man <laughs> um i've never met anybody more driven than me okay and i've met a lot of really driven people i've never met someone who goes further harder more um it's probably like if if you had to pick one superpower that i've got it might be that Where's I'm it come from? Driven. I don't know. I, um, where's it come from? That's a really good question. <sighs> I honestly don't know. I, um, I, I just, I, I you know, <laughs> my brother describes it really well. He says, like, because I have actually done this, you know, like single cream. You can't whip it into, into um, you can't make it into whipped cream because yeah. it's single cream. You can do it with double cream. Yeah, it takes a while. I, 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 someone once said you can't. It's impossible. It took me an hour, but I did it. Oh, fuck's sake! <laughs> <laughs> I will just not give in. <laughs> like I am dogged. If I have something in my sights, I will not relent. Yeah. Um, uh, what motivates it? I've, I, you know, I honestly don't know. Um, you know, uh, and I, I and I don't necessarily think it's that. It's it's all positive because I spent a lot of my life with the wheels spinning and not getting anywhere. You know. Um, songwriting is very hit and miss. You can you can spend 10, 15 hours in a day and not get anything. And you can do that for weeks and not yeah. get anything. And I did, you know, yeah. probably, God, if you were to add up all the days, all the years I've spent uh, trying to get great songs since, you know, since we started this when it was like 17, 18, I've probably wasted 20 years of my life on that shit. Yeah. And I'd love those 20 years back to like live a life yeah. and do other stuff, you know? Um, I mean, I have had an incredible life, like the band, you know, I've gone around the world, God knows how many times and seen all sorts of things and had a real roller coaster ride of it. But I, you know, actually being in a band is a lot of time on your own, living like a, almost like a Trappist monk, secluded, trying to get those little magic moments, you know. Yeah. And the magic moment, when, when you get one, when you sat there and you've been sat there for weeks or months or years and then you get one, it is an amazing feeling. I'm not sure it's worth it. I'm really not sure. Like... 
now as I look back as a 51-year-old man, I would much rather be 31 and not have half the songs I've written. You know, tip all the time, all the time I didn't get anything. You can't you could condense those 30 years I've spent probably down into a couple of productive years, maybe. Um What would you have done with that time? Uh, learn how to be a person like other people, like I'm trying to do now sooner, so I could enjoy it for longer. <laughs> like um probably the best example of a people person in our band is Mickey Tail. He's really, really outgoing. Everybody loves him. Um, and he, he just, he lives for other people, you know. He's very, he cares about your life. He cares about what you're up to. He's, he's just, his happiness is dependent on his friends and his relationships. Um, I would love to have just 10% more of what Mickey Dale's got there. Yeah. You know, um, and if I hadn't spent so long doing this stuff for the band, I, you know, I'd, I'd, I'm getting there now. Yeah. Because I understand what the problem is now. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's a really recent development, and I wish I'd learned sooner, you know. Yeah. But I had other stuff to sort out before it could get here. You know, I've, I've had all the PTSD, and, you know, maybe we won't go into that because it's a bit heavy, but, uh, you know, I've had a bit of a, a, a journey with mental health as it is. So I guess. This is maybe one of the final hurdles is now I've sort of sorted myself out mentally, I can rejoin the human race a bit more and on a more even keel. Do you feel like you said you've been sort of addressing it like in more recent times? Do you think do you think that's something that's become more acceptable in the last few years that that, that guys can can and talk about oh, this yeah. sort of stuff? Sure. Because we saw, I, I went to the O2 at the weekend. I'm a, a big fan of the of, of mixed martial arts, and I was at the O2 at the weekend and saw this 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 protege called Paddy the Baddy Pimlet. Uh, yeah, I watched that. I watched that this morning online. Yeah, and he ceased that moment at, at the O2 to to talk about his friend that took his own life, and yeah, and that's a very testosterone fueled crowd there of lots of kind of alpha male types that yeah. are, are all yeah. very, you know, and at that point tanked up the testosterone yeah. was through the roof in the, in the O2 and he silenced yeah. that place. And everywhere yeah. I looked was grown men's bottom lips wobbling. And it was like, yeah. he just done something magical right he there. Has. And, he has. and one of the things I want to ask, ask you, Danny, I don't want to probe too, too, too deeply into um I don't, I don't mind talking about it it's just something that i've talked about before sure and, you know, I, I, you, you, I think you yeah. spoke to my, my best friend and former bandmate nick on uh, math of manliness i believe right uh, yes i have yeah we've yeah. talked about it yeah yeah that was good so, that. I enjoyed uh, that yeah, yeah he's uh he's my best pal is nick and um uh but what i want to know is like i mentioned earlier that the, the music industry is is tough and really competitive and yeah. And and there's so many things like, you know, alcohol and drugs and all sorts of things that are going to be thrown at you in that industry. Yeah. Do you feel like there was support in the industry for, you know, for, for, for people that might be struggling with any of that mental no. health, alcohol then? And, and, no. and what have you seen? It, have you seen it change since? It's getting better now. Yeah. When I, when I was ill, 
it was um, the late 80s, early 90s. Um, and, you know, <laughs> saying that you were mentally ill was like tantamount, you know, I, I thought I was going to end up getting locked up and they'd throw away the key and I'd never see my mom and dad again, you know. That, that was my knowledge of it. Um, massive stigma around it. You know, um, people, I, there was a feeling that you might be dangerous to yourself or to others, um, that you would be useless and never a productive part of society. Um, you know, just, just whereas now, thanks to, you know, sort of people coming out and talking about it, there's a lot more acceptance um, and a lot more understanding and, you know, what, what I actually had uh, wasn't understood when I had it. Um, it, it the, the psychiatrist just said I had an anxiety disorder. Um, and I asked him, because, you know, I'd, I'd been looking into it, I'd asked him, have I got PTSD? And he said, yeah, but we don't like to label stuff. You know, let's not give it a label. Let's just deal with what, what the issue is. And but now I look at it and it and it, it wasn't really PTSD. It was more like a sort of a pure oh sort of thing that I had. Because when I look at the descriptions of that, it's basically me. I had I was having these vicious, really intrusive thoughts from waking up to going to bed uh, that I couldn't do anything about. And basically, my mind wasn't my own. And it was like hell on earth for about three years. I was having sort of 15 panic attacks a day. Um, and yeah, it was really difficult. But the, the sort of the upshot of that is it nothing phases me now, no matter what it is, you know, because nothing in the real world can fuck with you as much as something can when it's in your head. Yeah. Um, you know, um, it, there's that thing in there where, where more soldiers have died uh, by suicide after war than never died in war. Yeah. And it's because of the PTSD. They just can't handle it. And and that's what I had. And it's about as bad as you can get. It's yeah. really relentless. And, um, and so now whenever anybody's as that they've got something, you know, that or they're worried about something, I drop whatever it is I'm doing and, and I'm just I try to be there and try yeah. to help because I know and how bad it can be is is horrible. Yeah. I'm gonna move on to track five then, Danny, and we'll we'll talk about um it seems quite weird to go from something so so serious thing going right well, let's no, go clubbing right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make them laugh we'll make them cry <laughs> um yeah so did you go clubbing i this is a weird one this because i sort of went clubbing really early because yeah, how, how old was you when in, in, in brace like was releasing the eps and that he was quite uh, young right 20, yeah 20 i think it was like 26 something yeah. like that so not that young you know these bands were younger when they when they start out um but yeah i went clubbing when i was about 15 16 i was quite tall by then and i sort of got away with it you know um and uh it was like horrible testosterone fueled 
Um, generally wasn't very lucky with the ladies at that age because you're spotty and you're teenage and you're awkward and, you know, it's that... Uh, You'd had your moment at junior school. Come on, mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm still looking at that. <laughs> I mean, I did have some success. Like, I was one... Like, like I was one of a handful of guys who got any interest from women, but women yeah. were very much in control of yeah. the whole situation. As you, I'm sure you can remember from being that age. Oh, man, I was useless, mate. <laughs> in, this is a, like a thing. I mean, I mean, women in their late teens don't feel like they're in control because they're just women in their late teens. They're kids, you know. But when you're a boy in your late teens, it really feels like that. It feels like, you know, because all the girls that age are going out with these boys who've got cars and they're like yep. in their 20s and you just feel completely left on the shelf, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which I don't think is said often enough, you know. Um, you're almost like an incel in a way. Um, <laughs> and you've got all these hormones running around your body going, just touch it, just touch it. Ah! <laughs> So you've, you've got to deal with that, you know. <laughs> and so, like, you go one or two ways. You, you you go out with all the best of intentions and you usually end up coming home completely plastered, spending the last of your bus fare on a, your fifth hamburger. <laughs> it was all that, like. Yeah. Oh, I was that worried, Danny. I know that well. I know that feeling very well, mate. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure everybody knows that well. And then I guess I got to 18. And it just felt really like a rat race. I just thought, I don't want, I, this isn't me, I'm not doing this. And I just stopped, stopped going out. Um, it sort of coincided with me get, being ill around the same sort of time. But I just stopped going out and picked up a guitar. And, and, and then, you know, didn't really have my first proper girlfriend until, I mean, I had one in my early 20s, but didn't really have my sort of first proper girlfriend until after the band, you know, released a record. And we were together for like seven years. And so through much of my teen, from, from my teens until my sort of early 30s, I was just going to like dinner parties. I wasn't doing any of the like, the, I didn't do any of the rave culture yeah. stuff or anything. And then when me and my sort of first long-term girlfriend split up, um, I made up for lost time. I just really went for it. Um, and, you know, uh, went out all the time and uh, just had a, an amazing time and uh, started DJing even. Um, and uh, this track, uh, it's bigger than hip-hop. Uh, Dead has the, what, the WTF, what the fuck version yeah. is the best one. Yeah. Um, Eddie Kemp Morris played it. Uh, he was DJing after me, uh, and I just thought, What is that track? Wow, it's an amazing track. I just just took my head off. We were, we were DJing at um, Judge and the Judge Jules Night in a Beef, yeah. And I was on at like two in the morning, and he was on at like four in the morning. We were in the second room and Judge Jules was in the big room next door. Um and we were on the on the flight on the way over and uh this DJ was on before me 
was a real sort of hardcore into his Balearic beats and mixing it up with like three vinyls all at the same time and acapella track the beat here and this there and blah blah blah. And he was and I and I just asked him, I just said, you know, what's your last song gonna be so that I know, you know, what I'm on to? And he wouldn't tell me. Really? Yeah. He's like, oh no, you're just gonna have to wing it. And I was like what a That's snob. not very nice. Do you know what I mean? I was like, and Eddie couldn't believe it. Eddie was like, what a fucking snob, you know. Like, what a <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I basically, what, what I always did when I was DJing is I'd, I'd try and get on the same wavelength as everyone else. So I'd be out in the audience, I'd be having a few beers, and I'd be just, I'm, I'm on their wavelength, you know. So he's playing all this really obscure stuff, you know. Beep, beep, squeak, squeak. You know what I mean? Like, really like hardcore end spotting stuff. Yeah. And um and then his last track was like uh, uh, an obscure sample but the the one that Prodigy used. But he was he didn't he didn't go into Prodigy. So I was just like, well I'm just gonna play that fucking track that he's hinting at there. Yeah. <laughs> And so I can't remember, I think it I think I can't remember which prodigy track it was, but it was like it might have been Fighter Starter even, you know, it was something ridiculously big. And it's like, right, fucking hell, how do you follow that? How do you, <laughs> you basically do you know what I mean? You've played the biggest track yeah. you're allowed to play in that sort of place. Where do you go from there? So I was just like, well, you know. Fucking Faithless, Tiesto, Chemical Brothers, just do all the fucking yeah. big bangers, you know. And and this room that was, you know, sort of fairly into it, they were all up on the tables. They're fucking, they were having the proper, like... And all the promoters came from the judgment room into my room to see what the fuss was about. And, like, and they, and they all came back, and this guy brought me a bottle of champagne, and they're like, wow, it's really amazing in here. And it's like, wow, it's like... It was rammed right to the back, like completely rammed. But I only had, like, I'm not a dance head at all. Like, I only have like 15 tracks in my whole collection. Yeah. And I've got to play for two hours. <laughs> what am I going to do? I'm going to run out. Like, fucking. I just thought, fuck it. And I just went straight into the big indie stuff. I just went into, like, you know, Kaiser's Killers, Claxton, yeah, you, you know, the one Arctic Monkeys, you know, all that. And they loved it. And in the end, I had a meeting out at Palm House playing Queen and Bon Jovi. And, <laughs> <laughs> and we, you know, like, we did, we totally lit that place up. Oh, amazing, know. amazing. It was great. I loved it. That Deb <laughs> Press tune, though, man, it's like, oh, yeah, oh just, that, that's an intro. Yeah, like, yeah, it's the deal, isn't it? It's like, you can't not want to dance to yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, it's an And also, you wonderful. sort of feel, you know that feeling that you get? When you walk out of a Bruce Lee movie, if you've been to see the pictures, or you've been to like a Great Dance 2, Electric Boogaloo, or whatever it is, Kung Fu Kid, Karate Kid, or whatever, where you feel like you're the hero, and you walk out of the cinema, and you're suddenly as hard as Bruce Lee, or yeah. and suddenly, that song does that to me in a, in a dancing way. It's like, yeah. they play that, and you just feel that power running yeah. through your bones, man. I'll tell you what, like, why has no boxer ever walked out to that? Because that's what you want, isn't it? That oh, yeah. walk, like, that's your perfect walkout record yeah. right there. Yeah. All yeah. right. Danny, I'm going to take you home for track six, and I want you to tell me, please, a favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. Right. Um, so this is 
uh, without question, definitely the best song to ever come from Yorkshire, uh, and it's Ended Love Soft Cell. Oh, what a record. Um, it's uh, the Elvis album was the first album I ever bought. This is the first single that I ever bought. Um, and I saw it on top of the pops, and I was just transfixed by Mark Harmond. And he did this thing where he had these big wristbands on and he'd bang them together. And I just thought, that guy is so cool. Yeah. I want to be that guy. Like, he just seemed so... Like he was beating his own drum. Like yeah. he, he had his own vibe going on. Like, you know, he wasn't trying to be anybody else but himself. Yeah. And he was amazing. And he still is. He's like Adam Ant. Just oh. amazing even now, you know. Still, still got it, you know. If uh, if you get a sec uh, and you and you're on YouTube, just uh, looking at like music videos, go and find the Soft Cell farewell gig at the O2 and watch them do Salo Wave Goodbye. Oh my life, Danny! It'll break you in half. It is wonderful, and I think I guess you know that that early Soft Cell stuff, that sort of banging together of his wrist, and obviously the song would have been homage to to the double claps in, you know, in the oh, Northern yeah. Soul Clubs that, you know, yeah, yeah. because they released uh, what as well, didn't they? Which was, you know, all yeah. of these Northern Soul classics. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and I'm sure Mark or, 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 or Dave would have been, you know, uh, being up that way definitely would have been, you know, experiencing Wigan or, or Twisted Wheel, as, as, as yeah. aforementioned. Yeah. Like, yeah. And such an underrated voice as well, Mark Ormond. Yeah. He, he's monster. Yeah, completely. And and um, I used this is uh, this song that we used to go around the back of the youth club when I was like ten and eleven, and we used to have like kissing competitions, and <laughs> that song would be playing. And <laughs> I was basically like, it sounds weird, but I, I I basically used to give kissing lessons to girls when I was younger. I mean, that's a good job, right? <laughs> They used to come to my house on a Friday, and 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 they knock on my door, and there'd be like eight of them, and they'd be like, "Is Danny coming out?" And my dad'd be like, "What's this?" I mean, like, "Oh, I'm giving, giving them kissing lessons." I've started. Like, I've what? started up my own sex cult, Dad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I used to go like over the over into the woods, and I'd teach each of them like how to kiss as a ten-year-old. God, if I didn't think you was bossing it in junior school with what you'd already said, senior school must have been a serious calm down, Danny. Jeez. It was a total clunk. I got spots and became an awkward teenager. Fuck me, that really ruined me. Oh, wonderful. Um, yeah, so, so, so it was tainted love um, when we go behind the, the, the youth club. And back then, like eight, nine, ten years old, it was before I realised you could breathe and kiss at the same time. So basically, if you could kiss for longer than a minute, you were a shit-hot kisser, you know what I mean? <laughs> Literally going blue. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think, I think about 10 was when I learned. And I only learned because this girl that I was seeing went out with a boy who was like 13 and she kissed him and then she showed me and then, oh, all right, that's how you do it. Oh, your mouth moves at the same time. You just go, ah. 
Oh, like that. It's not just that. You got to move around. <laughs> oh man, that must have stayed up north. None of that ever filtered through down here. There was none of that going on in Essex, mate. <laughs> just me and the little death cult that I had going. <laughs> I've always been a sort of cult leader in writing, and I have to in the band instead. <laughs> oh, incredible. Um, all right, Dan, well, it's your last track, mate, and I'm going to ask you, please, um, and this is where you can be um, a, a, a tastemaker here, and it's a song that you think many people may not know that you would like them yeah. to hear. Yeah, well, this is Ella and Close to You, Um She's my niece, so I'm going to hold my hands up and say I've got a vested interest here. But I honestly wouldn't draw people's attention to her if I didn't think she was good enough. I wouldn't do that to someone. Um, she's amazing. She's already starting to get spot players on Radio 1, and, um, you know, she's got a record deal and a management deal, and, um, you know, it's it's just... I think it's about to happen for her, and she's just incredible. I mean... We we all have like family gatherings and stuff, and me and Rick we're we're real rock stars. You know we've been doing this for twenty five years, but whenever she's in the room, she is the star in that room. You know, and we just look like old men. You know, <laughs> she's just got it. She's wherever it is, she's just got it. Yeah, in 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 bags full, spades full. She's just like a real true original star and she's got an amazing voice and she writes all her own stuff and um she's got a real sort of northern working class uh kitchen sink lyricism you know almost like a sort of ampender vibe um where she's really talking about her life and really singing about it and then in the up bits she really dances like she doesn't care if anyone's looking and it's the most joyful thing yeah she's just just amazing so i i would recommend anyone to check all this stuff out um bring it on down and moments and and, and that track first you we'll make it easy for people to do that uh danny because we put together a spotify playlist to accompany the yeah, podcast yeah. so people can go yeah. and uh check out all of her tracks uh and all of the other songs that that we've been talking to about, uh, about today, as well as yeah. in, in, embrace music as well. Um, looking towards, you know, the, the, the second half of, of, of 2022 now, Danny, um, what are you looking forward to from the rest of the year um, personally and what's going to be happening professionally, mate? Um, yeah, I've got, we've got the album now in August, uh, How to Be a Person Like Other People. Uh, we've got oh, uh, end of August, beginning of September. Um, we're playing all up and down England and and Scotland and Wales. Um, and then uh, personally, uh, we've just had a second baby who's now two months old. So I'll be largely dealing with that. <laughs> <laughs> and the three-year-old who's wonderful now, um, absolutely fantastic little creature, um, makes me laugh all the time. Um, and, yeah, I think that's it, yeah. Wonderful. Um, Dan, if people want to keep up to speed with everything that's happening with, with Embrace, with tours and with releasing that, where's the best place to do that, mate? Um, probably just on the socials, you know, and just go on Embrace on Facebook or 
rmbrace.co.uk. There's like a little link tree that we've got that's doing the rounds. That generally gets you everywhere you need to get really quick. Um, but yeah, that'll 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 keep you in touch. Wonderful. Danny, honestly, mate, I've had such a lovely time. Yeah, man. Uh, it's, yeah, been it's been really fun. nice having a chat. And, and thank you for being so open and honest and, and choosing great records as well, man. Yeah, man. Well, uh, thanks for having me on. I've, I've loved uh, your your podcast for quite a while. seen a few people. I saw uh, Martin Rossiter who's an old mate. Oh. A few of us. Um, Scroobius Pip. Love him. I think he's great. So, yeah, it's an honour to be on it, mate. And uh, keep him up. How it's your elbow. Keep on keeping on. Oh, wonderful. There you go. What a lovely chat. What a lovely man. Like Just so, as I mentioned at the beginning, it was a, a, a really lovely, open, honest, um, and it, it's just, it's really nice when when guests come on and they feel comfortable to, you know, be vulnerable and 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 and, and I, you know actively encourage as we spoke about you know on that episode to talk to people. You know, if you've got weight on your shoulders, talk to people. It's important, and you know, you know the old saying of like a problem shared. You know, it it it, it really. It really does help, and uh, and you know if you don't feel comfortable talking to to friends or family, then reach out to some amazing organisations such as Mind, the Samaritans, Calm. Uh, you know the campaign against living miserably. Like you know, there, there's there's so many um, amazing organisations out there. I do some work for one called Reach Out for Mental Health, um, and hit them up. Um, that's a lot about male suicide, um, but yeah if you uh if you google you know you know you you, you go to straight away calm mind samaritans you know they 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 reach out to your doctor um if you if you're having a bad day but yeah chat to your friends and uh yeah so that it was a wonderful episode that and and yeah i feel really privileged to have had that conversation i hope that you've enjoyed it um thanks again for listening thanks so much for supporting the podcast um you know the fact that you support it makes it you know another reason why i keep recording these episodes and and then you know i get to have an episode like this and it reminds me how lucky i am to get to to do this so so huge thanks to danny huge thanks to yous uh, i'll see you next time go check out that back catalogue everything else off the beat and track podcast.com i'll see you next time love you bye-bye It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Eat it, boy.